Go for OKC span. <laughs> I want to be Marty kind. Wayne. Yeah, this is Marty Wayne. Is this Lindsay Ann? <laughs> yes. I'm thinking about becoming the kind of person who answers the phone, go for Marty. Also, <laughs> becoming – let me bounce this off of you, Lindley. Uh, you're – you're one of the youngs, and I'm one of the olds. So let me throw this at yeah. you and see if this will, maybe this will help, uh, help me kind of resonate more with the, uh, with the millennials and the, uh, and the Zoomers. I might become the kind of guy who says sweet when something's good. Sweet. I don't think you should do that what about though if you say that you're going to do something cool like i don't know if you told me like you were going to ride your motorcycle to fort worth to see morgan wallen and i went sick that's cool um i was on the phone with somebody earlier and he was like that's rad as fuck and i was like "Mm, i like that one I still say rad for sure. That, that, and I say for sure, apparently. But yeah, that definitely does. It's like from when I was a kid. You know what? There's a movie called Rad, and it has a very special, well, two very special Oklahoma connections. One of them is that Bart Connor is in it as uh, Dick. Uh, <laughs> but it's a movie about BMX bikes. Well, it's not about the bikes, it's about the people. Hi, everyone. Anyway. Welcome to OKC Span. Um, you're oh, on yeah. with Marty Wayne Piercy <laughs> and uh-huh. his um, dear friend, Lindley Face Smith, oh, also known as Lindsay Face Smith. That's true. My co ghost. Um, yeah. Anyway, my friend Jenny's dad was a film editor and he edited the movie Rad. Along with a lot oh, of we're, other... we're still on that. Okay, sorry. No, I'm not going to stop talking about rest. I never... <laughs> Lindley, this is, this is the Marty Piercy promise. I will never not be talking about Gleaming the Cube or Rad. One of those two movies is always going to be on my mind. And everyone, this is not sponsored. But if you want to, you can reach That's Marty at... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Throw that up. I well, I'm like you. I am precious about my phone number, and there are at least two people. Who Literally, everyone has my phone number. That's true. I like I put I wrote I wrote it in the bathroom down at the Greyhound station. <laughs> and like, I was like for period products or a good time. <laughs> at the boom, it's like. <laughs> Here you go, friends. <laughs> we love everyone. That's right. Well, let me, let me ask you, apart mm. from all the pleasantries of becoming the kind of person who says sick or sweet, um, what's, going, what's going on in your life that, uh, that you think is worth talking about? I know that you've got some things. But I just, I'm curious what you think is important. Because this, this podcast is generally either me saying what I think is important or me saying shit that nobody thinks is important. So here's what I think is important is whenever I left a relationship, early on whenever I moved back to Oklahoma City, it was 
really, really terrible. If you want to chat about it, like, for those listening, we can. But it was um, a DV situation, and mm. um, I had to move into um, – happily move into Section 8 housing, and now there's been some shit going on about that. I would like to hear your thoughts on how you have handled that with your outreach and stuff. Okay. Well, no, you're right. <clears throat> I'm just I, going I, right I, for it. Well, yeah, go ahead. Jump in. That's good. Uh, uh, we actually haven't had really a topic the last couple of times except for complaining about the arena idea. Um, so, no, the Section 8 thing, we, we're actually at a – uh, we're at a, we're not at an inflection point. We actually just crossed the threshold into crisis. Um, mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Uh, wh- okay, so let me say what we're talking about is that. Uh, yes, please clarify for those who don't know. Yeah. Right. So our statewide agency <clears throat> that handles most of Section Eight housing uh, vouchers. Um, Gosh, I'm realizing as I'm saying this, there are so many details that people might not know. When we say Section 8, we're talking about a voucher uh, from Mm -hmm. some government institution, uh, a voucher for your rent. That is called a housing choice voucher. Section 8 is just the statutory name for that, right, that we all have learned. Uh, But what that is is a housing choice voucher, and the agency in the state of Oklahoma that I'm going to say handles, well, the lion's share. I don't want to make up a stat, but they most Section 8 housing choice vouchers uh, come from the Oklahoma Home Finance Authority, uh, which I like to call OFA. OFA. That is not to be confused with public housing, which is a fixed site with units that uh, that are all Pretty uniform, and that is just that is an apartment building for poor people, uh, for people who uh, uh, mm-hmm. have a low enough income to qualify. It's not the same as a Section 8 voucher, but it's similar. But I just want to clarify public housing and Section 8 aren't the same thing exactly. Um, but so the, the crisis point that we've reached, all of that to say, <laughs> is that. We can't give out any more vouchers. With like, they're not issuing new vouchers now because of, we are. I, what what day is it? Like Monday or I, I think I it's, can't remember. I don't yeah, want to misquote someone. Not saying it's uh, well. I mean, I get shit wrong all the time. So you might as well just make something up. It's it's within no. a week or so. It is it is coming up pretty quickly that, um, and they I mean, they issue a lot of vouchers. I've gone through that process with. A great number of clients. I mean, it's it's great, right? Because you get to, like, in theory, with that voucher, you get to place that voucher anywhere across the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, technically, uh, with that voucher from OFA, you can place that anywhere around the state. Uh, so if I got a voucher here, I could I could get a place in Tulsa on that voucher, right? But but I'd have to go move to Tulsa. I didn't, right? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a state agency, whereas uh, Oklahoma City Housing Authority, which has the public housing in town, uh, OCHA and OFA are the two agencies, right? So that's confusing anyway. But the housing authority is Oklahoma City 
government department, uh, and they have public housing sites like Classen, uh, Senior Center, Towers, mm-hmm. McGuire, mm-hmm. uh, Jelts, Will Rogers down on the south side, Andrews Square, uh, you know, Lincoln, whatever. There's a bunch of them, right? A bunch of these sites around. Those are the city. Uh, now, OCHA also has some housing choice vouchers, but I don't want to muddle the situation more than I already have. So this is the state agency is not going to offer vouchers anymore. And it's not because, and I, hopefully. Sorry, Marty, for, I'm going to close my window really fast. I don't want to disrupt you, but I feel um, like it may disrupt you. Uh, I'm not even afraid. I mean, it's not going to make a <laughs> scary noise, is it? I'm very no, sensitive. We're all good. We're done. It yeah, I didn't even notice it. Uh, so, okay, they're going to stop issuing housing choice vouchers, hopefully temporarily and hopefully really shortly. But the reason why I think is is what we need to really pay attention to. They're only reacting to supply and demand, basically. They, we can't mm-hmm. meet demand. Uh, and right. We the can't. supply is too big. Well, the demand is too big the for the supply. Right. That's, that's uh, sorry. I, I mix that up. This is why I yeah. stop fucking. Can't, Get your facts straight. <laughs> no, so I, no, they just we we're backlogged on places. Like there are a ton of vouchers issued out there floating around with people who are in bad housing situations, uh, including uh, no housing whatsoever. Um, mm-hmm. It is one of the ways that we move somebody from the street into appropriate housing is with that housing choice voucher, but. Landlords aren't required to accept those vouchers, and I don't know if you know anything about landlords. I know that I hate them, but okay. Well, that's except except my landlord early whenever I first moved to LA. You're you're pretty great. You know who you are. Uh, He's he he or she or they are listening to this right now. They've been wondering where you were, and they've been furiously googling your name. Well, hey, dude. Um, no, yeah, I no, I have a few friends that are landlords, and uh, while it, they're it, not, it's somebody we're talking about. So yes. Well, no, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I I have friends that are landlords, and I love them. I don't love what they do for a living. That's you know, uh, I don't have any cops that I'm like that with, but I definitely feel that way about landlords like I don't like what you do I think it's bad but I don't think you're bad I think you're caught in a system and you haven't examined it thoroughly <laughs> but uh but yeah a lot of landlords just have decided not to take those vouchers since they're not required to mm-hmm. and uh, part of that like the excuse from the landlords uh is just wicked stigmatized, right? It's about these right, people. Right, that's what I think of. They think of addicts. They think of, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, nobody's getting into a place with a Section 8 voucher uh, unless they don't have much money, right? So this is really, it's already stigmatized. You're a poor person. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason you have this, right? Like that's the, right. that's the picture of it from the outside. And then you get somebody who has no stability uh, in recent memory, move them into a place. I, I don't know if people realize this, but homelessness is institutionalizing in the same way that jail is 
uh, and that mm-hmm. you like your thinking becomes entirely formed by your your situation that should be temporary. Uh, if you shouldn't be in the situation at all, but if you're in that situation, it should be temporary, and you're in it in a way that is not temporary, and that creates a personality uh, disorder almost for people where it's just like, I don't know how to do this anymore. It's not a part of my life. So, so that's a great, yeah. great, I'm going to interrupt you right there. Um, sorry, because I'm really good at interrupting. <laughs> no, I'm monologuing. Uh, I'd rather get interrupted. <laughs> well, I would like to know for, I was speaking for myself here of, um, and I know somebody else on Twitter has spoken really actively about this, how they needed um, Section 8 housing at a point in their life, um, like me, and how does one navigate that process? Granted, if there ever comes a time where they are accepting those requests again. Wow. Um, So, yeah, on your own, it's difficult. I'm throwing (laughs) some good ones at you. Right. No, that's and that that's a great question because it's not something that most people uh who would be listening have had to navigate. Uh and that's great. Good. Nobody should have to navigate this. But yeah, okay, so if you're on your own, I don't want th- people to think that you have to have some sort of case management in order to get a housing choice voucher. That's not the case. You can apply and it's it's income based. So, you know, some people wouldn't qualify, but, like, you can apply on your own and go through the process on your own, provide your documentation. A lot of people do that. Um, As part of our community-wide plans to uh, address homelessness, we got a priority list uh, that we could get people who are experiencing chronic homelessness. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And so we'd fast-track them. And they would have case management, uh, navigating that with them. Uh, So that's easier, right? Like, I know how to navigate this because I've done it a dozen times. You don't know how to because you never have. Whatever, you know. So, like, it's nice to be able to have somebody guide you through that. Now, I – Because there is such a barrier of entry, I think, where it's like, you know, folks who are – I'll be um, on the – like, I'll speak for, you know – I've been fortunate enough to never experience homelessness, but you have to get Wi-Fi access. You have to go uh-huh. to a library and have someone help you fill that out because it's very complicated. Uh-huh. You have to be able to answer your phone. That means you have to keep your phone charged. You that means you have to have, have a phone. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And and when you do get issued that voucher and you're looking for a landlord, uh, now, OFA will have, and I think OCHA too, but uh, they'll provide you a list of some housing vendors that have, that, you know, they have a relationship with who are always taking Section 8 vouchers. But there are others who might, and there are others who used to who won't. So, you know, it takes a lot of legwork calling uh landlords calling apartment complexes uh, and finding out if they do or if they would consider. Uh, I mean, you can do some self-advocacy and try to talk landlord <laughs> into accepting your voucher. Oh, my gosh. And that's uh, so much pretty hard to like, do. work to eliminate a, a shame that you may already have. Oh, yes. No, uh, yeah. Everything in our society is 
is set up in a way that makes you feel extreme shame for not having wealth. And it's absurd because most of us don't have wealth. But mm-hmm. as Twain said, America is a nation temporarily embarrassed millionaires, right? Like we all think we probably should be millionaires, but it just happens, hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Like, what is and my that's favorite why movie, lines, the world we're swimming in? Like, no, yeah, we're fishing. That's the water. Yeah, that's yeah. That's just the water we're swimming in here. It's capital. Water. I'm oh, sorry, I, I misquoted you. Yes. But what if it was the world we're swimming in? I like to mix those metaphors. That's good. <laughs> no, but it's why it's why people like Donald Trump so much. He's he's a stupid guy's idea of a smart guy. You know what I mean? He's a poor guy's idea of a rich guy. Like he's the kind of guy that you're sitting back at home after your shift. And watching TV, and you think, yeah, if I had money, I bet I'd have a gold toilet, too. You show it off. I'm like, what, why would you want a gold toilet? That's, but, but, yeah, that looks like, oh, yeah, that's success in America. Anyway, that's way off topic from Section 8. Mm-hmm. I will say no, I wanted great. to know. I wanted to know your um, <laughs> your input on that because you have a lot more extensive knowledge than I do or I think a lot of the population does on folks who live below the poverty level, which, by the way, is so low. It's 26000 for a family of four. It's a, I'm sorry, it's 26000 for a family of four? That considers what? you at the poverty level. Is that what you said? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, uh, yeah, for, for most of my life, on my own, I've been at or uh, just above or just below the poverty line. Right now, I'm above it, but I mean barely. <laughs> like, like I don't think I'm gonna. You had a family of four. I mean, you have two dogs, so. <laughs> yeah, but I also have a spouse who <clears throat> who is very responsible and makes more money than I do. So that that really uh, makes my life a lot easier than it would be otherwise. Like uh, like I can afford to live in an apartment, for example. I'm not sure but I'd be I able to do that. But I think showing that the poverty level is so low. And yeah, which is absurd. Can say I'm a I'm a single person and I am barely scraping by. It's like the poverty level is a family of four at that, yeah. and so you have to meet that criteria to even get <laughs> assistance for a lot of things. Right. And when it's an option, uh, unfortunately, the reality is if you have options, a lot of times people won't do what's right simply because it's right. They'll only do what's right if there's something in it for them. And surprise, surprise, that's how it works when when you are a person who treats housing as a commodity. And that's the thing. That's the thing that I try to tell my friends who I love who are landlords is that like you're taking a basic human necessity and you're commodifying it. And I think that's problematic in the extreme. Um, you what know, do like, you say would be the potential? Like, in a, let's talk in a perfect world and then let's talk in a reality world. The solution mm-hmm. is. Okay. Um, I will preface that with, I, I do not believe that, uh, we have to accept that side of that that's going to be the realistic part. Um, it doesn't have to be this way. 
mm-hmm. and in fact, when I, I will say, uh, and I'm, I'll name names in this particular circumstance, when Curbside Chronicle fired me because I mm-hmm. wouldn't do a project funded by a bad actor in our community, uh, when they fired me for that, I pointed out that I constantly heard in that office, well, in a perfect world, dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm, and I came mm-hmm, to realize, mm-hmm. and I said on my way out, when people in life tell you in a perfect world we could do that, they are, they are saying that they have a vested interest in keeping this world imperfect. Mm-hmm. And that's not who I want to be at all. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I just want to throw that in first. Like, what in a perfect world, what would we do? Okay, well, we don't live in a perfect world. How do we try to make it perfect? Mm-hmm. Right, like uh, Maurice Mitchell, Mo Mitchell is an organizer. Uh, mm-hmm. He said, that's one of my favorite quotes. He said, a better world is possible, but it is not unavoidable. Like, mm-hmm. we have to organize. Like, we have to work. Uh, you know, uh, it's not just going to happen for us. So uh, when you say, when one says, in a perfect world, we do that. Like, well, we should probably do that and try to work. I don't know. You know, like you, if you're not trying to work in a way that makes period OKC not need to exist, <laughs> then I don't think you're doing it right, right? Mm-hmm. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, I, I want to work it, myself out of business. Exactly. And for the record, exactly. everyone, all the listeners, we don't get paid. I don't get no. paid. No. <laughs> By the way, yeah, your your donations to Period OKC are not going to any administrative like salary costs. Uh, mm-hmm. So just yeah, but so go ahead. I'm sorry. That was uh, these things are so nuanced. It's really hard to speak about them succinctly. I mean, I have a hard time speaking succinctly anyway. But. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. You know, what, that, was, your... that was just something that I wanted to bring up because it's something personal to me, and I mm-hmm. knew you would have some feedback on working with just folks in general on that. Um, but anyway, have you been thinking about death lately? A lot, a lot. But <laughs> before we before we abandon the Section Eight conversation, let me just throw mm-hmm. in a tiny bit of history. It's a case study. It's anecdotal, perhaps, but uh, in Chicago. Uh, I think everybody came to realize that our history of building effectively filing cabinets for the poor, uh, you know, that's what high-rise housing, public housing is, filing cabinet. This is where we put all the poor people to keep them out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. We realized that model wasn't working. <laughs> and so, uh, so we had the political will and the, and the capital to uh, change how we're doing that. Unfortunately, that displaced a shitload of people, way more than it took care mm. of. But, wow. but the new rules were if uh, for developers who were going to redevelop property where public housing was being taken away, like I'm going to say Cabrini Green specifically, that's my stomping around. It's like, that's what I know. Like, as they began to tear down parts of Cabrini Green, developers would build these nice row houses, right? Well, mm-hmm. a requirement was put in place where you had to include a percentage of your development uh, for 
affordable housing, which is, I think, more appropriately called workforce housing. That's for people at like 80% of mean income. So they, they make a lot more than I do, but they're not wealthy, right? They're upwardly mobile. Think, uh, yeah, anyway. Like, call it, like, if you consider it America middle class. I know in England they call it differently, but, like, our, like, lower to middle class. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say they're thoroughly middle class. I mean, we're talking about people, mm-hmm. like maybe maybe a single, like a teacher who is single, uh, might mm-hmm. okay. might be able to qualify for 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 that. Although I'm obviously teachers are underpaid. I'm just trying to think of a good, you know, a good example of the kind of job, like upward mobility. The sal- kind of at least in. you're trying to come up with an example of the salary level that would. Yeah, qualify. exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that's like that's what affordable housing is. So by the way, that's just something that always needs clarification in public discourse is that affordable housing is not for poor people. Affordable housing is for people who make more money than I do. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, but then a portion of it was required to be section eight, right? And so, uh, so we had mixed income housing and that was actually really successful in very small scale, right? Like, a neighborhood where all the townhouses have mixed income is great. Can we expand that citywide? Well, we can, but we don't have the political will to do it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, and so I want to see that in Oklahoma City, but if we didn't have the political will in a place like Chicago, where everybody's pretty working class and mostly liberal uh you know, across the city. I mean, it's, it, it votes Democrat, whatever. Um, but Well, we uh, saw how well that tried to go in Edmond, so. Did they do that in Edmond? Did you not watch the city council meeting like I did and, like, just want to, oh. like, self-loathe? Yeah. No, okay, yeah. I, I, I thought you meant a different kind of thing. But, yes, I, I we it's should a, do but that. Somebody, lobby, somebody lobbying for affordable housing automatically means we want folks experiencing homelessness, which heaven forbid they have a house, um, yeah. to to live there. And it's like, no, we need the single moms to have a affordable place to live. Like, right. For <laughs> the people like me who are leaving terrible situations and need a place to live right. on a low income. Yeah, I'm like, I, here's the thing is, if we can take care of uh, the people in our communities who are the most vulnerable, right? If we could take care of a single mom with a child with a disability uh, and uh, say the single mom uh, does not have documentation, if we can take care of her, as a community, God, we're all going to experience benefits socially because Mm -hmm. of that. Like, I'm pretty okay taken care of, but if she's well taken care of, I'm very well taken care of, right? Um, And if we can can somehow communicate that in a way that people who think they care actually begin to care, I think we can really move mountains, Lindley. You don't hear me say a lot of positive, optimistic shit, but that's something I believe. Everyone mark this down. Put a pen in this part. Of the, put a pen in this part of the podcast. Well, that's my thing. It's like I, I know I come across like I'm, I can be pretty abrasive in my public persona, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but... and that's. I point out though, catch me punching down. 
I hope if I ever get seen punching down, somebody will say something. Respect me enough. Care for me enough mm-hmm. to say you're doing this wrong, right? Um, and, yes, talking about the mayor, talking about the cops, in no way is that punching down. just want to say that in hey, case mayor somebody's Holt, dumb enough to think otherwise. Do you want to join this podcast? Do you want to get on this podcast, Mayor Holt? Mm-hmm. Mayor Holt, we really, I know that you're listening right now, and I just want to appeal to you. Come on this podcast. I am not going to cuss you out. I'm not going to try to fight you. I just want to, I want to discuss your ideas and, and uh, honestly, feelings about uh, this new arena proposal, because it's just emotional. (laughs) It's not not about facts anymore. (laughs) Uh, But I just want to discuss that with you, Mayor Holt, and I know all 10 listeners of this podcast would agree. Mm-hmm. And anyway. I'm actually, like, I'm really nice. It's <laughs> true. I mean, compared to me. What I'm saying, though, is that my, my public persona sometimes may seem abrasive. But listen, I wouldn't do any of this if I didn't believe a, a better world is possible. You know yeah, what I it's mean? It's like we did this because we care. There's a reason why I give yeah. away free tampons for a living when I could go work for I don't know. Marketing I got company. into. I got mm-hmm. it. Well, I got into. Whenever I graduated college, I got into like five different law, law schools, and I was like, "Eh." Yeah. <laughs> Why would anybody want to be a lawyer? I wanted to yeah. be a public defender in my defense, um, which really checks for the work I do. Um, which can I tout? Can I tout? Yeah, please. Tout. for a second. So. Since February of this year, we've given away nearly 300,000 products. That is incredible. That's incredible. I know, and none of us get paid. For the listener and for your interlocutor, can you ballpark how many, say, how many cycles did that cover? Ooh, okay. Um, I'm not going to break that down. Those are, that's a lot of math maybe you don't. So, yeah, we all know I don't do math. Um. We spend, I will say this, we spend $8.60 per pack, which includes, um, you know, the, it's very marginal, but, like, the, the pack it's put in, and then it's 20 products of pads or tampons and five liners in each. And if you're talking, like, very nuanced, um, tampon comes with a one sheet about um, toxic shock syndrome with English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I love to say, if you want to donate, if you want to donate $9, you're covering one person cycle a month. That's pretty good. We can run it up to really... 10 if you're feeling feisty. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's easier. It's easier. <laughs> Go ahead and mm-hmm. give uh, increments of 10 for every member of your immediate family. And then go to work and get everybody in your office to donate $10. Imagine how much good you're doing. So... <sighs> Yes, that is good. I'm really proud of you and the work that you and your cohort are doing. And it's super important to me. Um, it's one of the things that, like, we, yeah, we don't live in a perfect right, world. You're my biggest, uh, your biggest cheerleader. You're my biggest cheerleader. Uh, uh, physically, though, most of your cheerleaders are about two and a half feet tall, I've noticed. They're like children. <laughs> they look like children. They might be children. Are those toddlers? No, honestly, at every board meeting, all the, like, a lot of the folks have kids, and I'm like, bring them on. Come on. Okay. I thought you were going to say that at your, 
at your board meetings, everybody lines up against the wall in order of tallest to shortest, and that's how you distribute uh, tasks for the board. I'm on the fairly small side, so. <laughs> well, so see, it should really work out in your favor. Through. Consider that. <laughs> uh, um, I also want to say, while we're talking about nonprofits, do you mind if I continue on this? No, oh, please. Um, I had a really good chat with a nonprofit today that everyone should, like, I'm going to re-plug after our very first conversation. Excellent. Shred the stigma. Say it again. Um, shred the stigma. Shred the stigma. Who's doing just want, I just reduction. want to get that repeated. Yeah, yeah please. Um, they're doing harm reduction where they put together kids like Periodokese. You can reach out to them to get to their packing parties as well. Um, where's where's we are on Saturdays. They're on Sundays. You can just tag team the weekend. It'll be fun. Oh, uh, yeah. Make a whole weekend of actually doing something that matters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, Marty, I know you're familiar with them, but for those who are not, they put together kits of fentanyl strips and clean pipes Oops. and clean needles and um, also condoms and menstrual products as well. So. They do Narcan. Um, oh yeah, and oh, oh my gosh, yes, and they give out Narcan as well. It's two doses of Narcan or any of the kits. That's a pretty big deal. I, honestly, I think at this point in our culture, right now, hopefully this won't be the case for a long time. But I think right now everybody basically should have Narcan on their person uh, when they. Anytime they leave the house. So uh, uh, I just, it's that commonplace. I've lost four people I know to accidental overdoses in the last year and a half. Um, and I'm not some scaredy cat alarmist about fentanyl. I just had some fentanyl. I was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an important drug that we use. It, but it's becoming a real threat to people who are drug users and uh, and I don't want to lose any more friends to that. I don't think you need to stop doing drugs to be, you know, I just don't want you to, I want you to die because there's something in it that you didn't know. Um, I would like us to, can we break down what harm reduction looks like? Because please. a lot of people think like you're giving needles to people and it's like, no, it's not about that. I, I feel like there needs to be some better education, and there's someone much better than me who can speak to this. Um, well, I'm not that. I would like to actually, I think that we should probably have uh, Drew is the name of the mm-hmm. the person yes. who's really the, the awesome. kind of the engine behind Shred the Stigma, right? Um, yes. Uh, Drew and I have a lot of, uh, a lot of history in common that we haven't gotten to uh, – really engage with each other but uh yeah he's one of those uh unsung local heroes so um Mm -hmm. shred the stigma is good look for them but yes uh harm reduction uh let's say broadly what that means is exactly what it sounds like we we can't force people to be 100 percent safe also what does 100 percent safe look like uh i don't drive uh, so I'm safer than a lot of people, right? It doesn't you know, 100% safe. So, But the thing is, like, if I was driving, 
there's a belt in there that I can put on that will hold me securely to the seat. We didn't used to have those, but people got hurt a lot more often in accidents uh, before we added those and required them. That is a harm reduction uh, uh, measure that we have taken nationwide uh, and mm-hmm. and has uh, paid dividends. We like we do not have as many. Uh, uh, we don't have as many vehicular deaths as we used to and we say that's a per capita that's a percentage it's not one-to-one right but that's what harm reduction is it's just creating opportunities for everyday things to be less dangerous Uh, Mm -hmm. another good example I think uh, like almost all medicine and food regulations are harm reduction like uh, you can't dictate that somebody not eat unhealthy, whatever, uh, garbage food. But what you can do is make sure that what's dangerous about that diet is not the chemicals that's in it, that are in it, right? Like that's harm right. reduction. You, we have standards for how you raise beef. We have standards for how you raise commercial produce. Uh, that's harm reduction. And I think it's important to note that um, whenever you hear harm reduction, it's not just talking about um, drug addicts or folks experiencing drug addiction. It's, you know, general life, like you just mentioned. And we have to think about folks, if we're going to talk about harm reduction when it comes to addiction, Mm -hmm. if folks are, addiction is so powerful. So if folks are in the throes of addiction, let's make them safe. It's taking yeah. care of our friends and neighbors. Exactly right. And I, yeah, I, obviously I can, I can go on and on about this mm-hmm. specifically, but like you don't know anybody who doesn't use drugs. And that means that there's a chance that almost everybody you know in some way abuses a drug. And that's, uh, that's across the board. Uh, you know that's that is not that is not limited to socioeconomic status, uh, your you know uh, to career to uh, you know religion to ethnicity uh, sexuality. None of those things are the deciding factors. All of us use drugs. Um, uh, so, yeah, being a cis, a cis white person does not make you immune to those kinds of things. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, like. Some of our most powerful and 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 uh, effective leaders have been drug abusers, right? But for some reason, those are drugs that we. That's fine, uh, but this one's not. You know, like. And also, can we talk about like what do we? This is me getting very philosophical, so humor me here. Like, what do we consider a drug really? Like well, that's, sugar yeah. is just as addictive as a lot of things. Absolutely. Like, and people will say, though, people will, uh, right now are thinking, well, can't compare sugar and heroin. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, half the people I know have diabetes, and I know very few people who are dying of over. Matter of fact, of the people I've known who use heroin regularly, I've known way more people who have diabetes, right? Uh, so, and like, I was just using that as an example, but, but like, no, I think that example. we need to broaden Caffeine. our minds. Yeah. Yeah. Caffeine's a, a drug. I. I uh, had a meeting and I was drinking coffee, which I don't usually do. And I was in that meeting for a couple of hours at a diner and I just, they kept refilling my coffee. 
and I couldn't sleep for a, a day and a half. I had an adverse <laughs> drug reaction to caffeine. I'm like, that's what I had. I, I overdosed on caffeine. Uh, Whenever and it was I was getting harmful. sober, I was like, I'm giving up caffeine to no foreign substances. And I was like, Mommy, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm fucking miserable. <laughs> so it's like in college. Like you were uh, worthless. Right. In college, I was straight edge adjacent. Um, but I wasn't straight edge because I found them grumpy. <laughs> anyway, oh, that's, a, that's a very for niche a joke. Straight-edge folks. Yeah, yeah, let's let's let's, let's not alienate anyone we haven't already. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, take that, all you straight edge uh, podcast listeners. Get out of here. Uh, uh, yeah, we just uh, we just lost five. Yeah, <laughs> half of the. Listen, we got a review. I don't know if you've looked, but we really? got a review. No, I haven't looked. It wasn't an episode oh, no. you were on, though. It was the episode a few weeks ago when my friend James came on the podcast and we talked about mm-hmm. the arena uh, because he's my friend who's capitalist and I had him on to talk about the arena. And, and somebody, friend. Right. And so we talked about the talking heads too because uh, he, while he is nice and is my friend, he has terrible taste and thinks talking heads are bad. So this review, one review that we got said, the talking heads are good. This podcast is not. (laughs) 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 Like, fair enough. And thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Come back next week. Uh, I I might put that on a t-shirt. That's just, that objectively (laughs) very funny. Oh, that's uh, the best. Oh, that's yeah, I don't know who it was, but hats off, honestly. <laughs> Good job. I'm sure honestly, thanks for right listening, my friend. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot going on, huh? I, I kind of forget because I focus so much on what is hyper-local. Uh, like, we are not tonight or probably – next week at OKC spam, we are not going to talk about Israel and Palestine Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. we don't need to. Other people uh, are more capable are handling that Mm -hmm. and and they're not talking about Oklahoma City. So uh, we can stay in our lane, uh, but there's just so much going on statewide and nationally and geopolitically like just it's really hard to get anybody to honestly to give a shit about the stuff that seems small even though like if you're outraged by something that's happening nationally think about what you can do in your town and that's how we actually change things Uh, your vote for president don't mean much but your vote for city council means a lot um hey um for the listeners i'm single also like my opening line on dating apps (laughs) Is hi. Are you registered to vote? <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's a good. I mean, it's a good baseline to rule people out because, like, uh, my friends who don't vote would have a very you good answer complain. for that. Yeah. Well, no, you can. You should. Uh, that's, well, uh, no, I don't. That's it's anti-democratic to say that if you don't vote, you shouldn't. You don't have a say because, like, no, it's a that's a false binary. 
Uh, no, when you're when you're giving me the choices next election of Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, mm-hmm. now I don't. I'm not going to vote for either of those fuckers, uh, and I shouldn't be bound to it. And that's another complaint I should have about our democratic system. You know, is that it's fake democracy. It's the illusion of choice. So now. Uh, you and I might disagree on this point. I don't think that if you don't yeah. vote, you don't have a say. Uh, I think you have every say, and you should trumpet the fact that you don't vote. And why? Uh, because I, I still okay, vote. That's the thing. If you that's don't vote, reduction. you have to say why you didn't vote. That, and that's my thing. Like, like, vocalize your, your point. Yeah, no, I, and that's the thing. I, I said my friends who don't vote would all have good answers for that. Uh, yeah. Other people I know who don't vote, I don't think they have an answer for that, except for just not caring. Uh, I've like, also screened people on dating apps and said, hi, I'm Lindley. Are you familiar with period poverty? <laughs> <laughs> Good screener. But also, yeah, because like, you're going to look in my no. house and see, a, see, and see a pyramid of tampons. <laughs> it's a good litmus test. And, and for the average dumb guy, <laughs> like, what's that gonna, what's that gonna communicate to them? Like, oh, she really has periods. <laughs> yeah, should we be concerned about your health? <laughs> right, right. You, yeah. you don't strike me as the uh, three period a month type, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but what do I, I know? Here, know that might be a thing. Exactly. That's why I think that you ask, uh, are you familiar with period poverty? And if they say yes, say, good, go on with your life. No? Okay, let's go on a date so I can indoctrinate you. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I will talk your ear off over a cheeseburger and tell you that about <laughs> how menstrual cycles work. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Somebody needs to do that, and I'm not the one. So, no. you know, I just had a really nice, uh, I don't get out much. Do you know that about me? Well, you're not feeling well. I was trying to hook up with you, but I, I hit it too late in the day. Yeah. Oh, but, today? Uh, sorry, sorry. I'm not, was not hooking up with you. Um, was not trying to hook up with you. Um, I was trying to <laughs> Yeah, I'm not the most eligible <laughs> that was bachelor choice of words. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I I hit you up whenever I was at the Plaza Festival, um, but it was oh, yeah. it was a little late for Marty. It, it, well, it was, and I had already been somewhere that day and uh, in the sun and had fun. I went to uh, Fiesta de las Americas that day. Oh, I didn't go to that one. I was busy in the morning. So. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you you kind of had to go to. I wanted I to go to the one I could walk through. Well, fair enough. Yeah, you live right by. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I I wanted to go to both. By the time I was done at fiestas and came home, I was like, no, I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm 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 not up to being around a bunch of people again, uh, mm-hmm. out outside walking around like in the. I just I'm not up to it. Uh, so I didn't go. Uh, Joe Beth went. I didn't. I'm an ex- I'm an extreme extrovert where, like, if I'm not, like, on my phone all day and I'm not at 20% power mode at noon, uh-huh. then, like, something's really wrong with me during the day. I, 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 I don't have much energy and I have decreasing motivation. 
And I feel like, I'm, you know, we talk about like how that I think about death all the time. I always have, you know, I've never been scared of dying. I've been scared of circumstances. Now I don't want to die because now I have Joe Beth and I have these two pups. And I like, that makes it feel like worthwhile to be around most of the time. <laughs> but uh, let's face this it. This is a really depressing podcast. What's good in your life? Ah, oh, Joe Beth and uh, these dogs. I gotta tell you, this this, this boy Charlie Brown. This you I, love he's him. been a he's been a game changer. Like I had forgotten that I can love in this capacity. Uh, like he just, I see him and I feel uh, just a lightness and sense of joy that I haven't encountered ever with a pet, and just in a long time in general, like I'm just, I'm just so like, I'm so depressed all the time that I don't, I don't access joy, especially since I quit drinking. I learned that that was the, that was my tool for accessing joy. But like all of a sudden this dog comes into my life and it's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I mean, for me, like I'm it's like, up there with yeah. meeting Joe Beth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just compared your spouse to a dog. That's well, great. I mean, just, I'm comparing and I know love. she'll love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, I feel like if I'm not running on a constant like high source, like a high, like very heightened source of anxiety and not sleeping, then something's wrong with me, which is completely counterintuitive to something being wrong with you. Like that's very wrong. Like I just. And now that I stopped doing drugs, I've had to, like, my emotional, I've just been completely off. So, yeah. It is kind of weird. I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of people who don't, who've never gotten in a situation where they became somehow dependent on, uh, especially an illegal substance or a substance can, you know, deemed dangerous, uh, I don't think they know how weird how weird it feels when you stop. I mean, like apart from all of the stuff that we advertise, like it's difficult. It you know it takes all these life changes that are really challenging. I just you feel fucking weird. You know, it's like I mean, I was on drugs since I was 15 years old and didn't stop until I was 30. Like yeah, yes, like yeah, exactly. Okay, here yeah. we go. Trigger warning again. <laughs> For drug addicts out there, um, yeah. For drug addicts out there, we love you. Yeah, yeah. And you're That's you're wonderful like, and you're perfect. <laughs> you're valuable too. Uh, matter of mm-hmm. fact, in a lot of ways, you're gonna you're more valuable to me than a lot of people. So I just don't want I don't want you know what I don't want anybody else to despair. I feel like I've got I handle enough despair. Uh, that it should really give peace to a bunch of other people. Like, <laughs> take on that much mm-hmm. despair. So I don't, I just don't, I want people to know that they've got a place in this world. I I don't know. I, I was, clearly, I was just about to start reflecting some personal shit that has nothing to do with uh, civics and stuff like that, just some personal stuff where I've been just, you know, I've just been on a journey of self-discovery lately. Do you want something great? Yes, I do want something great. I went on a first date with somebody, and 
they were talking about like their life and they were like, I just want to raise enough money to um put my my kids through Cassidy. And it was like Oh wow well. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Public school kid. <laughs> I want enough money where I theoretically could put my kid through Cassidy and they would send them to public and school and give it that away. money for something reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> Once I criticized Online, I criticized uh, charter schools and a parent who I have no problem with this person. I don't know them personally, but I know who they are and they know who I am. I consider them, you know, in the broad sense, allies. It's nothing about that. But they uh, clearly have a kid in charter school <laughs> because they really kind of seem to have taken offense to that. And they said, don't punch down at kids, and I'm, I'm not punching down at kids. I'm punching up at wealthy parents. That's a very different thing. Yeah, uh, it's easy to, like, pick on folks like us who don't have kids, I, who right. speak out against things, and it's like, well, you're not living the experience. And I'm like, I know, I know I'm not. But I, I don't have the privilege to. Like, send my kid to Cal State. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. When I was in ministry, I had a, the dad of man, it's a guy in the church anyway. He had two kids that I was I was pretty close with. Worked worked with them quite a bit in the uh, youth ministry side of the church. But uh, we were in a class together about equity, and specifically had like we were talking about school funding. And he said, because we were talking about the problems with it, and he was getting really defensive, and he goes, I just don't see what's wrong with me taking care of my kids. And I said, there's nothing wrong with taking care of your kids until it becomes at the expense of other kids. Um, not, that's how I feel about expensive I try really schools. hard to not talk about parenting because I am not one. Exactly. Yeah, um, you're right. But I can I can talk a lot about our educational system because that affects the youth of our world. And so in that way we can I think I can be vocal and tell like tell Ryan Walters that I hope he will step on Legos in the morning. Yes. Yeah. And because well, he's affecting the youth of our nation. Or our right. state, at least. Right. Well, I mean, a, I'm a product of public education, so mm-hmm. I have some have some experience, right? I have some skin in the game too. Yeah. And uh, I'm not in any way discounting. Yo, parents, I admire uh, admire your willingness to parent. It's not for me, so good for you. Um, it's just not about that, but like, yes, I. I deserve to have a say in what public education looks like, even though I don't have kids. And you know why? Because we live in a society, dude. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's not just you and your kids, motherfucker. It's a whole city of Oklahoma City. And you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Like, don't tell me there I don't is, have a say in that. I look at it as like, I don't know. This is getting like super personal about like childbearing when it comes to being a this woman and that kind of thing but like it's scary to invite a child into the world we live in like should I have should I have a daughter 
where would I raise her, you know? Mm-hmm. To know oh. that, I mean, that's, it's like, it's really scary. And also, like, and aside from reproductive rights, think about, like, the general, like, state of our earth, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's not for me, regardless of philosophy. I just, I, I, I wouldn't be a good parent, um, and I'd be too afraid. Did you I'd say you would I'd not be, be a good parent? I would not be a good parent, and, <laughs> and I don't. And I, and I honestly, I would worry too much about passing on, uh, mental like deep depression and, and other mental illness and addiction mm-hmm. and and poverty. Poverty's generational, and like I've always been poor. And, that kid might make more money than me, but they're going to grow up in poverty. I don't want to do that either. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with raising a child in poverty. I was raised in poverty, and you know what? Look at me. It turned, turned out fucking just, great. You turned out, you turned out making a podcast and running a Twitter <laughs> and, also, <laughs> and also a nonprofit. So. Well, that's true. Uh, <laughs> you don't feel like you're nonprofit hey, enough. Well, that's because I'm not doing a lot with it right now. Okay. It's complicated, but uh, now you know. Uh, I, I really like kids, uh, and I'm so happy that so many of my friends have children because I get like I'm a re- I would I would be a bad dad. I'm a great uncle. Uh, <laughs> I, like oh, and my friends. Awareness is key. Well, it is. That's just reality. I'm like I am. I'm. I'm fun uncle. Uh, even when I'm not drunkle, I'm fun uncle. Uh, <laughs> well, that's like, not going to happen anymore, so. Right. Like, uh, I'm going to say uh, George and Leanne's boys, uh, who are now big, but uh, when they were kids, they came up from Shawnee, and they, they got to stay downtown in the city up in a high-rise apartment. And uh, and I took them to see, Jeff and I took them to see the uh, Marvel Live thing, where it's like a stunt show with, with a little bit of Marvel oh plot gosh. in their own case. I took them to see that, which I probably enjoyed more than they did. Took them to, <laughs> took them to anchor kid. down for corn dogs, like fun, right? And then the next day, their dad comes, brings us coffee and picks up the kids and goes home. It's perfect. Perfect. It was a really fun time, and now they're gone. You know, like, it's great. Uh, I walk into I my, whenever my brother and my sister-in-law, um, their baby is about to turn one. Um, wow. Fuck! I think I may have just missed our birthday. Shit! Now, now it's October fourteenth. We're good. I'll tell you this: she doesn't know. <laughs> she will never know <laughs> that you do, forgot her and birthday, and they may hold a grudge. Well, that's true. Um, but I walk into the house and I'm like, "Give me the child!" Oh, hey, uh, yeah. How are you guys? All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way with kids and with dogs. Mm, oh, dogs. God. Well, and so I've always heard that that's how you could tell somebody's characters is if kids and dogs like them. And you know what? Almost universally, kids and dogs like me. So I don't care what you or anybody else thinks of me. Kids and dogs like me. 
it's almost time to go. I do want to throw in because okay. I was just thinking about it because of this. I think it was a Dimitri Martin joke because I said I love kids. And he's like, you can say you love kids, but it's creepy if you're specific. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I could say, like, I love kids, but saying I love seven-year-olds sounds really nefarious. <laughs> I love specifically. Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, Marty, anyway, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and I look like really? you're on the 17th, eh? Oh, yeah, I should probably advertise that. Uh, you should this probably coming week, that. This coming week on Tuesday night, October 17th, at 7 p.m., upstairs at Pony Boy on 23rd Street. You know it. It's right next to, even attached to, the Tower Theater. Pony Boy, upstairs, 7 p.m., Tuesday night. Okay, C-SPAN Live, and this month could be the last one, regardless of if it is or not. This month, we are going to effectively do live podcast. Lindley and I will be taking the stage Tuesday night to answer questions live with uh, anybody who shows up. You're all welcome, whether you're a patron, subscribe, a Patreon subscriber or not, you're welcome to come to this. Uh, these are fun when we do them. We don't, haven't gotten a lot of audience lately. And this will be a little different because, honestly, it's just going to be Lindley and me sitting with mics, and we'll have a third mic, hopefully, for people to just come and pose questions. Uh, I'm not going to say we'll answer every question, but all questions are on the table. I'm not talk about death too much. I will talk. I, there's no chance I will not bring up death. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a war happening, and I'm constantly thinking about that, uh, mm. even though that is not a local issue. Um, it is an issue for all of us to be thinking about and yeah, praying but, about. But on a, on a positive note, come on and talk to me, too, uh-huh. even if you like completely dislike Marty. Who can mm-hmm. be pretty that's, polarizing? Like I'm that's true. less. <laughs> I, he, Marty can be really polarizing. Me, less. Less, <laughs> not as polarizing. Oh, well, we just uh, we just found the podcast title. <laughs> not as polarizing. Um, it's pretty good. Um, so, okay, everybody, come out and see us. Uh, as for you, Lindley Fay. Uh, you're honestly skyrocketing on my list of favorite people in this world. So I really appreciate you being part of my life and uh, part of the life of the city. Okay. Love you. Bye. (laughs) I am hanging up now. Goodbye.